0: Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. We're starting a new series tonight. It'll carry us on into this Sunday and probably for the next few weeks. I'm not sure. But this, this series is entitled Radical radical. See I've been hearing lately about that person I heard it and it really just I've heard it several times before in the past just that person's radical. They're a radical Christian I want you to understand something. There's no such thing as a radical Christian You're either a Christian or you're not and Christian in the very essence of the word is radical The whole gospel, everything about it is radical. You can't try to box in this thing and make it a religion because it's never meant to be a religion. It's never meant to be a box. You can check. The gospel is radical, friend. It starts with a, well, it starts at the very beginning where the God, God, the God, is speaking things into existence. Amen. Then you go on a couple thousand years and you've got Jesus being born of a virgin. That's pretty radical, right? And then you've got Jesus performing all these miracles, healing the blind, opening their eyes, restoring those who are paralyzed, uh, uh, providing food for for thousands with just a few loaves of bread and some fish. You've got God doing amazing things, healing people who've been sick for a long time, even raising the dead, amen? So there's nothing about that You can't say I'm a Christian and not be a radical Christian so that's what I want to talk about here for the next few weeks the definition of radical is this relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something And that's what happened to us when we got born again we were changed the very, our very nature we were born again right new believers in new believers small group we were born Again, nothing about us is the same. We have been fundamentally changed. I was snatched out of darkness and brought into the marvelous light. I was full of sin, but now I'm justified as if I had never sinned before. You see, and this is a radical change. I want you to look at Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5. For we are not proclaiming ourselves but Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes. I can preach on that. I'm not preaching me tonight. I'm not preaching church tonight. I'm not preaching denomination tonight. I'm not preaching religion tonight. I'm not going to preach you cheap stories tonight. I want to preach you something that changes lives. Someone who changes lives. My job is to preach to you Jesus. And Paul said. I'm not preaching to you. I got stories I can tell you, but I want to preach something that brings about a fundamental change. I want to preach something that is radical. I want to preach Jesus Christ. And I've told you this before, and I'll tell you again, we are a Jesus church. You hear me? What you're going to hear from this pulpit and what you're going to hear from teachers and other preachers in this church, what you're going to hear sung about, what you're going to hear talked about, what you're going to hear celebrated, what you're going to hear read over, what you're going to hear when you go on the campus and when you sit down in this chair is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is life. I didn't come by to call you tonight. I have nothing to say but Jesus, amen, because I know this is the gospel. Amen. For we are not to proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. In the face of Jesus Christ, He Jesus is the light. And then it goes on to verse seven, and this is very familiar to some of you. It says, now we have this treasure. What is this treasure? Jesus. We have this treasure in clay jars. Oh, let me stop there. I want you to understand that Jesus is a treasure. He Now let me say it again. Jesus is a treasure. Jesus is a treasure. Now here's something really radical. You don't put treasure in a clay pot. Uh -uh. Usually you put treasure in a bank. You put treasure in a vault. But God chose to put treasure in a clay pot. Something fragile. Now, when Paul wrote this, you got to understand the time he wrote it, there was nothing special, Robert, about clay pots. If they broke, you just crushed them on the floor. No reason to try to save them. No reason to try to keep them. It was cheap, it's mud. Make it over again. there was no nothing special about clay jars. And this, friend, is the the, the message in this. Me and you, without Jesus, without God, have no value. I've had people tell me, Pastor, sit down in in my office and say, "I I, I don't feel like I'm worth anything. I... Feel like, you know, I've been talked to, maybe it's a bad marriage, maybe whatever. And I've been talked, listen to me now, listen to me. I've been talked down to and I, I've been treated so bad that now I feel like I don't have any worth. I got five radical points I want to share with you. Not, not five, not ten. Five. <laughs> five radical points that I want to share with you. And this is point number one right here. Value was given to us by God when He gave us the life of His Son Jesus. You want Yeah, go ahead and give God praise. You want to know? You want to know your value and your worth? Jesus said. God said, While you were yet a sinner, I gave my son Jesus to die for you. Value was set. The price was list, list, uh, listed when God gave you his son. What are you worth? What is your value? Hear me, hear me. When you wonder what your value is and what your worth is, I want you to think about the cross. When you wonder if you're worth it and what's your value, I want you to think about the crown of thorns uh, that was upon the head of Jesus. Jesus. When you wonder how much am I worth? I mean, really, should I just, you know, does anybody care about? I want you to think about the whipping post that Jesus was tied to. When you wonder what's my value, I want you to think about the treacherous climb that Jesus took up the hill of Golgotha. When you wonder what your value is, I want you to think about the instrument of death, the cross, that he laid upon with nails in his hands and in his feet. When you wonder what your value is, I want you to think about the lashings that he took when at the Roman guards' whip with a cat of nine tails ripping at his flesh. I want you to, when you think about what your value is, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to think about his sacrifice. You're worth it, not because I said it. God didn't need you, He didn't have to have you, He wanted you. Friend, that's radical that the God who has enough power, all power, to create the universe and galaxies with just speaking it, causing the oceans to come this far and say, that's it, get back in the ocean. Go on back. Friend, this God that has that much power chose to want to be your friend, to want to have a relationship with you. That's pretty radical. Value was set, the price was listed when God gave us his only son. And this is the gospel. Colossians chapter one tells us this. Paul would say, I got God has commissioned me to tell you a secret, to let you in on a mystery. What is it, Paul? Christ Jesus. In us, see, and you don't get that. It isn't really special to you. But friend, the whole summation of this Bible is the very thing we tell our little kids. Those in children's church, you can ask Judah. He done this at a at an. He's he's almost two now. But I believe that a, probably a year, maybe earlier than that, I'd say. Holly'd say, where's Jesus? What's that? We say, in my heart. Here's the facts. Sounds cute, but it's the truth. Jesus, the creator, the redeemer, our Savior, our Lord, our King lives on the inside of us. Oh, I think about, you know what? You think about those stories of, uh, let's think of one um, Daniel in the lions' den. That's a pretty bad one, right? Where they throw Daniel in the lions' den, and surely the lions are going to rip him apart. But they go back and check on him a little while later and he's cuddled up to these big old animals, sleeping. God's done gave them Holy Ghost locked jaw. They can't open their mouth. Their stomach's full like they just ate and they can't do nothing with Daniel. Friend, that's a great miracle, right? Yeah, what about the one where the Israelites come up to the Red Sea and they don't know what to do, they don't know where to go, and the enemy is right on their tracks, right behind them, and God splits the sea. Puts a wall of sea on this side, a wall of sea on that side, draws up the ground, friend, they didn't walk in no mud. He soaked, you think, when God does something, I mean he really does it. Soaked up every bit of moisture in the ground and walked across. Oh, that's a great miracle. I alluded to the miracle of Joshua when the Israelites walked around the walls of Jericho seven times, and then on the seventh time, seven times on the seventh day, and the walls came down so that they could get in and fight the enemy. That's a great miracle. Oh, is there any more? Oh, I like this one. How about... Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego every Pentecostal preachers preach that and they go into the fiery furnace and they're supposed to die it's so hot that the soldier that's bringing them into the furnace dies and they walk in and the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar looks in looks over, trying to find out, well, have they melted away? Are they dead? Who's going to scrape them up? Who's going to get them out of here? Who's going to clean up the mess? And when he looks over, he looks in and he said, how many did we throw into this furnace? He said, sir, you know how many we threw in. We threw in three. He said, well, why do I see four men walking around? And the fourth man looks like the Son of God. Hey, that is a great miracle. But the greatest miracle of all Not when you read of prophets like Samson who takes the jawbone of an ass and kills thousands of men. When the anointing comes on a prophet for a special task, for a special season, that's amazing, but it's not the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle of all is when someone who is lost Y'all don't want to hear what I got to say tonight. I know I'm boring you. When someone who is lost, separated from God, far from God, the Bible says, who is drawn near by the blood of Jesus, when a sinner goes down and bends his knee and cries out to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't ask questions. Jesus doesn't say, "Well, what have you done and how much do you, you know? Let me wait, let me see if I can know when you call out on His name and you place your faith in Him, a miracle takes place. First Peter chap, uh, chapter one, verse 23 says, "When you call out on him, a miracle takes place. The seed of Jesus." The very seed of Christ comes in inside of you. Jesus takes up residence in you. And your spirit is made brand new. And this seed, he trades a corruptible seed for an incorruptible seed that shall not perish, will not fade away. This is salvation. That's radical, ain't it? Jesus living on the inside of us here, and this is cool too. And I'm doing bad now at seven forty nine. Because I've got one point. One day I'm gonna be a good preacher, and I'm gonna be able to write a lot of notes and follow them. And so he puts this seed in us. And the the beautiful thing about this is you can't get any closer to God than Jesus being in you. No more than a mother who has a baby inside its womb and the mother goes this way and the baby says, no, I'm not doing that today. I'm going this way. Can't happen, can it? And that's what I'm telling you. That's how close you are to God right now. You're not right up ne- like y'all are snuggled up to each other. New York. <clears throat> y'all are real snuggled up, cozy together. Y'all are pretty close, but guess what? There's something closer. Jesus said, I'm not right beside you. I'm not, I'm not snuggled up to you. I'm on the inside of you. That, that's why he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you because I'm in you. That's the great mystery of Colossians chapter one. That's radical. Let me continue. It says, now we have this treasure in clay jars So that this extraordinary power, not of ourselves because clay jars are fragile. And that's speaking of our lives. The flesh, fragile, weak. But see, I'm noticing something that the strength is not about the outside. The strength is because of what's on the inside. Listen to what it says. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. What a me a clay pot's easily crushed, but there's something on the inside of this clay pot tonight, you see. An extraordinary power. He says we are afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. Anybody listening to me tonight? Yeah. You see, let let me, let me tell you, point number two, here it is, point number two. The source of our strength can be found on the inside. Let me tell you something. You look at a house that's went through a hurricane or a tornado, and you don't look at the house and think, wow, that house is so strong. I guess it's so strong because of that real good paint that they put on the outside of it. Or maybe it's the vinyl on the outside. Maybe it's that. Ex- no, friend. What makes the house? Str- I'm preaching now. What make? I'm preaching. What makes the house strong is not what's on the outside. What makes the house strong is what's on the inside. So I can. Hey, so I can be pressed but not crushed. I can be perplexed but not in despair. I can be cast down but not destroyed. Why? Because my strength is not of myself. It's not of my flesh. It's not of my works. My strength is on the inside. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 you can write it down because they're not going to put it up on the screen because I told them not to. But it says this our life is framed by the word of God. You know what makes the house strong? It's not the exterior. It's the framing on the inside. And I'm telling you this tonight that on the inside of me, I don't I may not look like much to you and that's okay. And I may not sound like much to you and that's fine. But the best of me, you cannot see. The best of me, are you listening, is on the inside. He said our lives, our lives are framed by his word. And I'm reminded in John chapter 1 verse 14 it says Jesus is the word made flesh. What is my frame? What is holding me together? What is my strength? Jesus Christ. Let's go on. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body. That's verse 10. So that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who are who uh, excuse me, for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that Jesus' life may also be, be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, that's us, in keeping with what is written, I believed; therefore I spoke, we also believe, therefore we speak. Let me say this. For those of us, and I I could take a survey, I guess, anybody ever felt like uh, they've been afflicted, perplexed, persecuted? You ever felt cast down? You ain't never had any problems? Let me ask you again, you ever felt cast down? You ever felt like persecuted? Talked about? Ridiculed? Cast down? Felt like you've been perplexed, didn't know what to do? Guess what? You're still here. Therefore, You know that the only reason you're still here is because of what's on the inside of you. Since you know that you're still here because of what's inside of you, you believe this, therefore, you need to speak this. And here's point number three a life that has radically been changed, radically kept through all the stuff, the persecution. The casting down, the perplexity, those who have been radically changed, radically kept, should be radically expressed. Your life should be rad- you should be telling people why I'm still here. I may have lost some money, but I didn't lose my mind. I may have uh, been in some situations and in some circumstances and in some mess, but what I was in didn't get in me. And what I'm in maybe currently right now, let me remind you that greater is He that's in you than whatever you're in right now. Whatever you're facing right now, whatever you're going through right now, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. A life that has radically been changed and radically kept should be radically expressed. Let's finish. For we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus. Let me just say this. You can't stay down. Psalms chapter 34, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but he delivers us from them all. You hear me, church? I'm telling you tonight, for we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us with Jesus, present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends Through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person. Let me just say this. If the worst thing Satan could do or the world could do is kill you, then we win, friend. Did you hear what I said? We win. I can tell you I like the world a lot. I used to be like that too. But here's the thing. When you fall more in love with Jesus, it's what seems to hold you in this world no longer has that hold on you. I used to think me and my wife have been married now for 12 years. It doesn't seem like that long. But that's right. Right? <laughs> We've been married 12 years and I used to think, oh Lord, and I still do think this, how Amazing she is. Wonderful she is. I even told her today. Well, I ain't going to tell you everything I told her. (laughs) (laughs) But I did tell her today, I'm so thankful for how you take care of me. Because she brings me clothes up here, different things, because I was here all day today. And I can remember thinking, oh, God, you know, like freshly married. Lord, if the rapture takes place, will I still be married to my boo? (laughs) New York? Will I still be married to her? What I've learned through those 12 years as I've fallen more in love with Jesus and more in love with her, heaven doesn't even compare. As much as I love her and care about her, I don't know what it'll be like. I don't know what it'll sound like. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But I'm told in the book of John, John chapter uh, first book of John, I think, I don't know what I'll be like, but I know I shall be like him. And I've, And I've come to a place in my life where I want that more than anything. You see what I'm saying? The, nothing in this world now compares to what the world I'm going to. Y'all ain't ready for that, so. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though we're fighting a battle, though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. And then catch this now. For our momentary light affliction. And some of y'all are thinking, wait a minute now, I'm going through a light. (laughs) but compared to where you're going, it's nothing. Ear, ears have not heard. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard what is prepared for those who love the Lord. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incon... Man, listen to these words. An absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. (laughs) Woo! Hallelujah. What I'm facing right now does not, my desk, right now, where I'm at, does not compare to where I am going. Hallelujah. And let me just say this tonight. The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, what you reap, you shall sow. But then it goes on to say, if you reap in the Spirit or sow in the Spirit, you reap life. There's a guarantee here what we reap, we sow. But you know what is in between reaping and sowing? Growing. Right now, you're growing. Right now you're falling more in love with Jesus, more in love with God. You're shaking off this stuff. The world is, just doesn't mean as much to you. You're not fretting over who the president's going to be or you're going to go and vote and then you're going to say, and let me just say this, it takes more faith. This, I'm leaving now my message for just a second. It takes more faith to accept the will of God than to pray how you want things to turn out. Amen. Oh, that don't sit well with some of my friends. (laughs) But I'm not your TV preacher. You can go listen to your TV preacher. But I'm not him. It takes more faith, more trust to say, God, God, This is what I'd like to happen. I'm believing for this, God, but at the end of the day, I'm trusting you with my life. I'm okay with whatever your will is for my life because you want better for me than I want for myself. maybe that's what it means to to our Pentecostal believers. Maybe that's what it means when it says when you don't know how to pray, the Spirit will pray. Because my flesh cannot say, your will be done, God. I'm teaching something now. Your will, my flesh can't say that. The Spirit of God has to say that through me. At the end of the day, I know, you know what I want, I know what I want, but at the end of the day, I want what you want. Okay, back on track. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. Listen now. So we do not focus. This is the instruction. We do not focus on what is seen but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but for what is unseen is eternal. Hold on, hold on, point number four, radical point number four. If all you see is what you see, then you will never see all there is to be seen. That was a lot of seeing. If all you see is what you see naturally, then you will never see all there is to be seen. If 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 you can only look as far as your current situation, your current circumstance, your current issue, if you can't see past that, you know, the Bible says we, we walk by faith and not sight. what I believe is more of a reality than what a doctor tells me. What I believe is more of a reality than my bank account. (laughs) Somebody said that's a word right there. (laughs) What, What do you mean, Pastor, when you say that? I mean, you can, facts change. You didn't know that? Facts change. I've done been with too many people and the doctor gave them a death diagnosis and they're still here. I've known some people who've been in bankruptcy, didn't have a penny to their name, and guess what? They got a good job now, a car, a house. They ain't rich, but they're living life. Facts change, friend. I may not have a dime to my name, but I still know that that don't change who God is. He is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I may be sick in my body right now. I may have a diagnosis from a doctor, but that doesn't change that he is God, my healer. Do you hear Jehovah? Jehovah, Rafa, the God that healeth thee. Uh Uh-huh. Well, I got the... It's 8.09. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's point number five. And this is it. Oh, no. I didn't want to go to that yet. Shoot. (laughs) But it's good, ain't it? But it... There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Thank you. Let me say something really radical right now. Did you know there's spiritual warfare going on? And if God would pull up the curtain, pull back the curtain for you to see exactly what's going on with believers and unbelievers in the spiritual realm, it would blow your mind. There is great spiritual warfare going on, and I'm fixing to just shine a little light on how how Satan's working right now. He's always worked that way. For the unbeliever, we're told already, we know this, that he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's for the unbeliever. Death, theft, and annihilation. That's what I wrote up under that. But for the believer, he uses a different tactic because he can't do anything with your soul, you see. You're kept by God. He can't kill you. He cannot destroy you. Not as a believer. But you know what he spends the rest of your life doing? And you better hear me. Because a bunch of y'all are right here. You say, Pastor, I wish you wouldn't say that. You You don't know where I'm at. You know God called me to be your pastor, right? The tactic that Satan uses is not to try to kill you, to steal from you, or to destroy you, but it's to conform you. Point number five. Since Satan can't do anything about our soul, he will try to influence our goals. What are you talking about, Pastor? He's going to try to get you to focus on the temporary. You better get this cuz this is the most important thing. When God, when I wrote this out tonight, I got up from my from my desk. I didn't know, I didn't have to use the bathroom, and I walked through the bathroom, done a circle in the bathroom and come back sat down. <laughs> because this was, it was speaking to me. I had to get up. Satan and this world's job is to conform us, to try to get us to focus on the temporary. So you spend your life as a child of God trying to get your house, your dream house, your dream car. Make as much money. You just want to make money, and and there's nothing wrong with those things. But friend, the American dream is not God's dream. Did you hear what I said? He tries to get us to focus on what is temporary. And whether you live one year, one minute, 30 years, or 30 minutes, you better listen to me. All the stuff you worked for is gone. It's gone, friend. And what I'm asking you to do right now, every leader in this church, every person here on a Wednesday night, you better get out your spiritual scale. Come on. And you better start putting some things out on that scale. What how much time am I spending for the temporary and how much time am I spending for the eternal? Right. A pastor, his name's JD Greer. He's actually the president of the Southern Baptist, whatever, people. I <laughs> guess, I don't know. Convention. He's writing a book, and I've not read the book. I don't know anything about the book. But on the front cover of the book, it's about how you'll spend your life, what God's given you. And on the cover of the book, it says this. He says, I'm going to preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And I thought about that. I thought, boy, that's kind of sad. And then I I couldn't get away from it. Preach the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And then I thought about great-grandmama Wheeler and some of my grandparents, nanny. I, I, I began to think about people that my daughter or my son won't ever know. So then I began to think about my life. I'm three generations from being completely and totally forgotten. The nice house, the money you made, the promotions that you spent, time away from your family to try to get. You sacrificed your family for stuff you could that just goes through your hands like sand. It's all gone. Three generations. Nobody, nobody will go see you, visit you, even though you were born. You'll live, die, and become forgotten. And I said, that's terrible. But then I begin to think about it, but not if you preach the gospel, because that, I'll be forgotten. But every seed I sowed, every person I told about Jesus, every time I served somebody, every time, every time that I got down by my daughter's bed and laid my hands on her head, even when I didn't want to, laid my hands on her head and prayed with her and spoke life over her, that won't be forgotten. Why? Because God is keeping the record of that, you see. The time I grab my wife's hand and we pray, that will last forever. The time I, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking, when I say preach the gospel, I'm not talking about standing behind this pulpit. Every one of you are called to preach the gospel. Yeah. If you don't open up your mouth and tell people about what God has done in your life, you are wasting time the miracle. God has called you to preach the gospel. Preach it on your job. Love people. Serve people. That's why we say save people, serve people. You don't have to just serve him in here. You go out and let love not just flow to you, but flow through you. Do you hear me, church? I'm preaching this with urgency because I feel it in my spirit. You better get out the eternal scale. You better get out your spiritual scale and begin to weigh. Where am I spending my money? Where am I spending my money? Where am I spending my time? You say, Pastor, oh my gosh, that's radical. Congratulations, you just got it. That's what, put the slide back up there. Billy, tell them this. Billy B, tell them the title of the message, the series. It's radical. God is calling you to be a Christian. And it's radical. I'm working for something that is eternal. You say, Pastor, you're saying that because you're a preacher. No, I'm not. I could honestly, I promise you this, if this is taken away from me, I'd still preach. If I didn't have a microphone or a pulpit, I'd have to tell somebody about Jesus. i still have to serve people. I'd still have to love people. So don't allow Satan to conform you and try to influence your goals. Your goals need to be eternal. Don't focus on what you can see. Focus on what you can't see. And then what you're going through won't be heavy. It'll be light. And you'll know what it means to be afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, cast down, but not destroyed. Stand with me all across the building. Could you hold on for two minutes? I'll tell you, what a wonderful Wednesday night crowd I bet there ain't no church in Waycross Cross that's got this many people here on a Wednesday night. And that's uh, that's bragging on you, but that's not bragging on the statement because it's not good. You understand what I'm saying? I wish every church was full on a Wednesday night or any time you open the doors. let me tell you what I sense in my spirit and why I'm preaching what I preach tonight. And it's simply this. There's no better time than right now to preach the gospel. There's so much unrest, you see. And the church always thrives in persecution. Did you know that? It's when everything's going good and everything's great that the church doesn't do well. In fact, that's when they grab hold of the things of the world and they're they're increased with goods. Uh, That church in the book of Revelation in need of nothing. The church, and I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the church. That far reaches beyond the walls. It reaches to the remote jungles of Brazil. It reaches into Europe and communist China. That's the church. And it's for America, we're in a fine position to take much ground for the kingdom of God. I'll just be real with you and honest. Most of the time, I have no clue what I'm doing. When it comes to church, whatever running a church means. um, When COVID came, I probably along with every or most other pastors who care, was depressed. I'd never not been, I never missed church and then as a pastor, not being able to assemble together. I just couldn't figure it out, Bill. I'm just trying to make sense of it all. And grasping on the straws, it was, it was, it wasn't good. And then it was actually even worse when we came back and there was not many people at all. And you say, well, you shouldn't think like that, Pastor. You, you ought to be, just shut up, Yeah. Come on. You know, I ought to be like you. Is that what you were trying to say? Yeah, okay. We all struggle. You let them tell you your job or something was not for sure. You all had worries. Because so you didn't You ain't never been through it before. My worry was different than your worry, but we all had worries. Because it was unknown. But I started thinking, really, really when I started seeing the church, not at Remnant Church, but the, the church as a whole, and I started thinking about, well, I don't have no clue what God's doing on the other side of this world, and it's not all about me, and it's not all about the American church, and it's not all about 3205 Memorial Drive, and I begin to... Try to embrace the fact that God's got a humongous plan and I'm just a little piece of it. And so are you. And then I read in the book of Mark, it says, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. That means unrest. There'll be famines. That's been going on already. Just because you hadn't had a famine, there's children in Africa that don't know where their meal's going to come from. That all they know is famine. There's going to be earthquakes and divers. That means many buried places. The love of many will wax cold. I'm seeing that. But then towards the end it says, but the gospel, oh, this is what got me all fired back up. But the gospel is, Jonathan, Sam, you're part of it. Pete, Josh, Pastor Sam, New York, Holly, Jane, Bill, Charles, Monica, Daryl, Heather. I could go on and on. We're all part of it. When you see all these things going on, get ready. Because God is opening a door for the gospel to cover the whole world. Guess what that means? That means that it's got to be more. I got. We got to have people sign up to be commissioned or to fulfill the commission. You already been called. Your card's been called up. You've been drafted. You've been commissioned. Now it's time to preach the gospel. I got. There's new converts in here. They just got out of a new believer small group. Went six weeks. Heard, listen to me. Teach six consecutive weeks. Hungry and love God. You know what I told them? It don't matter if you don't know but one or two scriptures or no scriptures. You have an experience. You know God has changed your life. You You are the greatest evangelist. And if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you better tell somebody And I believe this. What you'll do for a stranger, God will do for your family. Y'all want to pray tonight like a real prayer? Not like listen to me pray. But if that's your family beside you. If it's your husband or wife. And if you're comfortable grabbing their hand. If it's a stranger and you don't want to hold hands, it's corona. I know. I got it. Don't do it. But if it's somebody you sleep in the same bed with and live in the same house with, grab their hand right now. Babe, come up here. Come on. I want you to grab their hand. And I want us to pray. Don't let the, I want us to pray. What are we praying about, Pastor? That will get our mind focused on the eternal that will take every, every opportunity that God gives us to preach the gospel. You don't preach it like I preach it, you preach it like you preach it. But it's the same message, just a different method. Are you ready? Let's pray. God, oh Jesus. God, I want my eyes to be set on the eternal. God, I wanna do what counts. God, I want to preach the gospel, God. Lord, I don't want to be conformed to this world. I don't want to get my eyes and my focus on the temporary, oh God. Give me a burden for souls. Give me a burden for the lost. Give me a hunger to serve people, to love people, to tell people about you, God. I've been commanded to do this, Lord. Lord. Father, now is the time to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now is the time that you're pouring out your spirit upon all flesh, sons and daughters. God, get us out of our mm, religious comfort zones. There's people in this church right now and they're playing church. They're just playing church. Leaders, playing church. It's time to quit playing. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't seek the face of God and it's not okay. Help us, God. Help us turn to you, Lord. Help us get back to a place. Help us see the day and the hour and the time that's approaching. We repent, God, of lukewarmness. We repent of complacency and conformity. And we set our eyes back on you, Jesus. And I know this, God, if we'll set our eyes on you, if we'll make our belief and our faith resolute, if we'll keep our message sharp, God, if we'll make it all about you, you'll send us the broken and the hurting, the dying the addict, the prostitute, the good old boy, the self-righteous, the religious, you'll bring them here, God. And Lord, they'll, they'll be drawn by your presence in spirit. I pray for our families here at Remnant Church. God, strengthen marriages, strengthen homes, families, for the single mom who's trying to do it all themselves. May they realize they've never been by themselves. May they pull from your strength for the man tonight who's struggling, struggling with his faith. Oh God, strengthen him. May he feel your presence tonight, God, so richly, so strongly, and believe your word over how they feel right now, God. Lord, we bless you. We honor you tonight, and I'm believing this Sunday, God, as our focus is on you, God, that this Sunday, I'm believing for at least 15 salvations this Sunday. God, I I, I believe praying bold prayers honors you. God, I'm praying a bold prayer. I'm praying it out where many people can hear it, and I want people to believe it with me tonight. I'm believing for 15 people to pass from death to life. I'm believing for 15 people, God, to give their lives to you. God, fill this place. Fill it full with hurting people. Fill it full of people who love you, who are called by you. And God, we give you praise and glory for it all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, can you give God a shout of praise tonight? Did you enjoy the Word of God tonight? Did God move in your heart life tonight? I love you. I'm praying for you. There ain't nothing you can do about it. God bless you. See you Sunday. And bring somebody with you.